Today's episode is brought to you by rockauto.com. Amazing selection, reliably low prices, all the parts your car will ever need, rockauto.com. You're Locked On Devils, your daily podcast on the New Jersey Devils. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Alrighty now, what is up New Jersey? Welcome back to the Locked On Devils podcast here on the Locked On Network. I'm your host, college hockey play-by-play announcer and also Devils writer for the Hockey Riders, Trey Matthews. And it is day four of me being on vacation and talking to Devils personalities. So today I'm actually talking to someone who's appeared on this show before. He's a friend of the show. It's Robert Inken Jr. So he appeared on this show a few months ago to talk all things Devils and talk about his career uh, at that standpoint. Obviously, we're still in the midst of the season. So obviously, I'm sure his uh, perspective has changed uh, about the Devils this time period compared uh, from a few months ago. But we'll see uh, what he has to say. And uh, he has some interesting takes. And also, he covers the New York Mets for North Jersey as well. So that's also very interesting to hear. And we'll talk more about that towards the end of the episode because I presume that some of my listeners are Mets fans. At least a few of you have to be. But like, come on. There's no baseball team in New Jersey. So you got to root for the Yankees. You got to root for the Mets. Or maybe you root for uh, the Nationals. I don't know what the case might be. But you have the right to root for any East Coast sports team you want because uh, obviously New Jersey only has a hockey team. So we'll talk to Robert uh, in a second and it's nice to have him back on the show. But first, let's get these couple of live reads out the way. So the first live read comes from rockauto.com. So with the ever increasing numbers of makes and models, it's now impossible for your local chain auto parts store to stock all the parts you need. Why endure often pointless or seemingly intimidating questioning and wait while the person behind the counter orders the parts on their computer? Choosing the only brand their warehouse happens to carry, your computers have access to rockauto.com and you also have some access in your pocket so save time and money when using rock auto why choose to spend 30 percent 50 percent or even 100 percent more for the same parts from a chain store or a car dealership rockauto.com is a family business serving do-it-yourselfers for over 20 years rockauto.com's prices are reliably low for every consumer they have everything you need from brake parts tail lamps motor oil and even new carpet so go explore their easy to use website and find the solution to your auto part needs today Go to rockauto.com right now and see all the parts available for your car, truck, right locked on in their How Did You Hear About Us box so they know we sent you. Amazing selection, reliably low prices, all the parts your car will ever need. Rockauto.com, everybody. Now let's uh, move on to the second live read. Comes from Bet Online. So Bet Online is the fastest and easiest way to bet on all your sports action. Baseball season is in full swing. You track all the action at Bet Online. Get all the latest news, odds, and info on all your sporting needs, including MLB, NBA, NHL, and all of your UFC, MMA action, and also the Olympics. Before the next pitch, head over to Bet Online on your laptop or mobile device and check out all the great sporting news, sign up bonuses, and contest informations. Don't sit on the sidelines anymore as this is your chance to get into the game as teams are prepping for the runs to the playoffs in the MLB. Head to the website, use your mobile device, sign up today, and receive your 50% welcome bonus when you use the promo code. Locked on uh, for your first deposit. Bet online, your online sportsbook experts. Remember to check out our friends at Locked On Bets as well. Okay, like I said, I give this disclaimer uh, all week just because, you know, uh, I don't know if you're a new listener, but whatever the case might be, this was recorded before the expansion draft, before the entry draft, and obviously before uh, free agency. So uh, whatever he says, whatever happened or didn't happen, I'm just saying, like, uh, we, we had this conversation before all that took place. So I'm just putting that disclaimer out there like I always do. So let's talk to North Jersey's Robert Inca Jr., former friend of the show. And joining me now via Zoom, 
He's actually a friend of the show because he's appeared on this before a few months ago, I believe back in what, like January or something. It's Robert Inkin Jr. from North Jersey. Robert, how you doing on this fine afternoon? Trey, it's July. It feels like it's Christmas in July for Devils fans. Christmas in July because we have a lot of cap space. We have a lot of rumors and obviously we have draft picks and we have prospects. So obviously, you know, this is actually a very exciting time to be a New Jersey Devils fan. But before we get into that, I just want to, uh, you know, address something first. So obviously I said you work uh, for North Jersey, but is there anything else that you want to add to that? Like, um, uh, like any more credentials that you want to inform my listeners, maybe people who haven't uh, listened to the previous episode that you were on? No, I mean, you know, you, you hit it on the head. Uh, you know, been working for North Jersey for, uh, I guess we're coming up on six years now. Um, you know, variety of different things. If you, you know, even if you're not just a, a Devils fan, you can be a fan of, uh, you know, the Rangers. You can be a fan of you know, any of the other major sports that are, uh, that are in the area. We have a variety of writers and, you know, you'll, you'll see, me and some other people kind of, uh, you know, doing, doing some other sports, you know, in the, the off seasons here, you might be, you might see me at a Mets or Yankees game or something like that. So, uh, you know, just, we, we try to cover it all as best as we can. Right. East coast teams, because uh, New Jersey doesn't have a baseball team and the football teams that play in New Jersey don't claim New Jersey. They claim New York. So uh, yeah, uh, that that's actually good to hear. We'll talk about that later in the episode, but first and foremost, I want to give your initial reactions to the season. Like, what did you see from the New Jersey Devils this year? Um, honestly, I I was pretty impressed with the way that they were able to put up with as much adversity as they had. Um, you know, COVID was something that, that everyone was impacted with throughout the NHL. Um, I would probably argue the Devils were, were hit probably harder than most teams. Um, certainly there were some other teams in uh, other divisions that were they were hit pretty significantly, but the Devils, as such a young team with a, a new head coach and uh, obviously a new direction coming through this year, uh, for them to kind of roll with the punches. They had some people with visa issues that weren't able to, to start the season with them. They had Corey Crawford, who was supposed to be their backup goalie, and then he retired during uh, during training camp. So a lot of a lot of issues um, that that schedule was about as daunting as you could ask for any, any team of any level to, to compete with. And uh, you know, it really felt like as bad as things were and, you know, at, at the worst, when they, when they went, when they weren't able to win anything at Prudential center, it really felt like they were never quitting on, on the team, never quitting on the fan base. And I think for a, a condensed season, like you had, that's pretty much all you could ask for if you were a devil's fan. Right. So, you know, I, I, I'd say like after that two week uh, COVID hiatus, you know, um, it was a pretty uh, slow start to say the least. And um, but at the same time, I felt like we got off to a good start. But then, um, you know, once we hit that that COVID break, that really affected us. But we're not the only team that, you know, was affected by COVID and had to um, basically postpone our season for a temporary amount of time because the Dallas Stars also had to do that. The Buffalo Sabres also had to do that. And is it a surprise that, you know, all three teams have missed the playoffs? So the Devils, the Stars, and the Sabres. And the Sabres, uh, you know, obviously they lost like 18 or so games in a row. So, you know, I think um, overall just uh, the, the Devils were able to rebound for a, for a moment. But then, you know, going on that 10-game losing streak really hurt us. Getting uh, swept in four games by the Rangers and that little mini series uh, hurt us a lot. So, 
Um, obviously, uh, the Zajac and Paul Mary trade had to occur, and a lot of people, including myself, weren't really happy with the trade when it first happened. But, you know, at least we got a first-round pick out of it. And obviously, it was just a lot of moving pieces. But I want to go back just a little bit. What were your expectations for the Devils? Did they, um, you know, meet your expectations? Did they exceed it, or did they, you know, fall short of it? Early on, I thought, I thought they were exceeding our expectations. Um, they really felt like they were a team that if if other things were going to break perfectly for them, they were going to compete for maybe that last spot in the East Division out of those top four teams. Uh, obviously, the COVID uh, shutdown really kind of stopped that before things really got started. Um, you know, this was a team that's, you know, it, it only got younger as the season went on when, when, when Travis Zajac and Kyle Pomeroy were, were traded away. Um, this is a team that was already young, that was getting younger. It was the second youngest team in the NHL by average age when the season started and obviously went down. Now you have a team who has to play almost every other day. They're a team that can't have a full practice. They were basically having optional skates for three months or so because they couldn't really have full team practices without wearing guys out. And yeah, there were some bad losses. Like you, you mentioned the, uh, the four straight losses to the Rangers, which I know really angered a lot of people in the fan base. But the way that I looked at it was that, uh, you know, with, with losses like that, especially some of the really tough losses that this team endured, that's some of that bad medicine that teams have to take. You take your medicine, you take your lumps, and, and you learn. Because, uh, you know, you, you have some teams that have success and they don't know how it is to lose. They don't know what that, uh, what that drop-off feels like. And this team is able to get stronger and become better for having a deal with that. Right. And, you know, we, we talk about the adversity and we talked about the expectations, but um, what are your opinions on uh, who's leading the helm of all this? So obviously Tom Fitzgerald is the general manager and I feel like he deserves an extension. I feel like he's done a phenomenal job. And then you got Lindy Ruff. I believe he was a big surprise because a lot of people said that, including myself, that Lindy Ruff was sort of old school that he wouldn't really mesh well with the players, but Overall, you know, the fact that he was able to get the most out of these young forwards, including uh, Igor Sharangovich, Jack Hughes, Yanni Kwokinen, you know, all those guys and overall just have that great of an impact, you know, um, r- really says something about his coaching ability, albeit the defensive side of things wasn't all that good. Neither were specialty teams. But what are your opinions on the leadership uh, that the New Jersey Devils uh, have right now in terms of front office and in terms of coaching staff? Um. You know, Lindy Ruff is is fantastic. He's he's, he's the perfect uh, veteran coach for a young group like that. Um, his playing style uh, works in favor of the young forwards that the Devils have right now. Fast pace, a lot of motion. You know, trying to tire other teams out and using speed and uh, and physicality and all that stuff. Um, you could see, you know. Lindy wanted to, he wasn't going to uh, sugarcoat anything with any of his players. You know, we saw, um, you know, a, a game uh, earlier this year, Andreas Janssen just wasn't uh, performing and there was a huge comeback that the team was having and, 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 and Janssen sat for the entire time because he was trying to teach a lesson. And despite the fact that he was an off season acquisition and probably making more, a lot more money than most people on the team, he didn't. He he was uh, more than willing to make that example out of out of a guy who's a veteran, out of a guy who's basically expected to to do more. 
on the team. And, and I think people responded well to that. As far as Fitzgerald, um, you can tell that he cares about the community. He, he cares about the, the team um, and the conversations that we've had with him at the, the off season at the trade deadline, you know, after the, uh, after the draft lottery, um, you know, he has a lot of different moves that he could possibly make. And this is going to be really telling for his legacy as the general manager of this team. Um, very under wraps in terms of what he's had to say. I've tried to ask him some of the questions and uh, it almost feels like I'm playing checkers and he's playing 40 chess. <laughs> yeah. I figured that they would be sort of on the down low with this because like I said, I talked to Dan Rice earlier um, uh, before I did my interview with you and I just talked to about like, is there anything that we should know in terms of what the direction the New Jersey Devils are trying to go in? Because I think last offseason, they were just trying to overall just find that glue piece. Like they tried finding diamonds in the rough. So obviously you mentioned Andreas Janssen and Andreas Janssen, he did relatively well for the uh, Maple Leafs during the 2017 and 2018 uh, year campaign. But, you know, one of my colleagues over at Locked on Leafs, he informed me that um, that was mostly just because, you know, look at the line mates he had. Like, you know, he had Matthews, he had Marner. So, you know, he's just able to feed off that kind of talent. And obviously, even though we have a player who was drafted in the same draft class as Marner, he's nowhere near in terms of skill or production. That's Pavel Zaka. So obviously, you know, Johnson just not performing well. And, um, you know, having to be sad. And then, you know, at one point I saw that he was moved down to like third or fourth line, whatever the case might be, uh, just because, you know, I I felt like that was a good move just to see if he could dominate on that line and just overall just get better. And he did at one point. But, you know, for the most part, I think people were very disappointed in Janssen. But, um, you know, Tom Fitzgerald, like I said, he deserves an extension. And it's going to be very interesting to see. But you kind of led me into my next question. Do you know anything going on behind the scenes for the Devils in terms of uh, what you heard from like maybe exit interview meetings in terms of what you're hearing from trade discussions, free agency signings, or, you know, overall what direction the New Jersey Devils are trying to go in? The, the Devils have been pretty tight lipped when it comes to uh, off season plans. And honestly, they kind of hold a lot of the keys. Um, I think they want to see what Seattle's going to end up doing in the expansion draft, all that. In terms of free agency, um, as, as you know, uh, Trey, and you know, I don't, I don't know if your audience, if everyone in your audience necessarily understands this, but the the cap floor that the Devils have is larger than most teams have in the NHL, which means they have to spend a certain amount of money to just reach the minimum in terms of uh, salary cap space. So they're going to be spending money this, this offseason. They they actually have to. So, no, go ahead. Go ahead. No, go. Okay. Um, Yeah, I was talking about because at the time of this recording, the expansion draft hasn't happened yet. I said, hypothetically speaking, if the Devils do not like make a trade or uh, don't make a few signings before the expansion draft and they leave someone like PK Subban unprotected, then uh, if the Seattle Kraken pick up uh, PK Subban in that expansion draft, and like I said, if we have no deals in line, we'll be $25 million away from the cap floor, not the cap ceiling, the cap floor. Right. And, and that's why, you know, I, and I've, I've seen Devils fans who, who want to see Subban exposed in the, in the draft. First of all, I wouldn't do that because P.K. Subban is still, regardless of your opinions about him, he's still one of the premier defensive uh, people in, in the league. Uh, Subban's making $9 million this year, so that's $9 million that you have to somehow replace on your, on your cat floor. 
because Seattle's going to have the same mind. They're going to have to, they're going to want notable stars on their team. And if you expose someone like PK Subban, he's going to be a member of the Seattle Kraken, and that's not going to be the benefit of the Devils. Right. And, you know, this expansion draft is going to be so interesting, just uh, how it, it, it's formed. And honestly, I kind of think it's very intriguing. And, you know, obviously with everything uh, happening, it's definitely going to force the Devils to just overall make decisions in free agency and also just uh, see what trades they can potentially make. But like I said, uh, at the time of this recording, this is before all of those events take place, obviously before the expansion draft and the entry level draft. But let's talk more about the now for the New Jersey Devils. Um let's talk about the players like what what's your overall opinion of how the roster is structured currently this is probably a group you know i've i've been personally following the devils you know just even when i was a kid when i was a fan and just you know watching hockey as a a kid you know i i go back to right around the time of the first stanley cup championship for this team so uh, not, not date myself too much, but I, I did kind of grow my fandom in the early, you know, like the mid nineties. I have never seen a devil's team that has had the amount of young talent in terms of wingers, in terms of just overall forwards on this team, you know, whether, whether it's Nico Heischer, Miles Wood, uh, you know, Pavel Zaka, Jesper Bratt. I mean, you go right down the line. This is a young core. And everyone I just talked about there, they're 25 and younger. That is unbelievable. The oldest winger, I believe, currently on the team is Andreas Janssen at 26. So that should scare a lot of people. If they can bring that chemistry together, if they can figure things out, um, this is a core that can stay together for a great number of years. The real key that this team is going to have to look at is going to be in the, in the defense. You, know, you have someone like P.K. Subban, who is, you know, he's 32, he's he's older, but you have a lot of maybe unproven, um, un, untested uh, young defensemen, and a veteran presence may be very much needed there. Right, especially since uh, the entry-level draft is so um, defensive-heavy uh, because, you know, you got Owen Power, you got Simon Evanson, Luke Hughes, um, you know, uh, Brant Clark. So obviously there's a lot of like um, good, good defensemen to choose from if you're the New Jersey Devils. And obviously, you know, at least one of those players will still be available for the taking. But, um, you know, overall, let, let, let's talk about like uh, some of the rookies that we have now on our team. So uh, this year we had 11 rookies dress and skate for the New Jersey Devils. Is there a rookie besides someone like, you know, Quokinen, Sharon Govage, uh, Ty Smith and, you know, uh, obvi- the obvious ones. Is there a rookie that kind of caught your eye in terms of his production that kind of falls under the radar in terms of like what he was able to do for a short amount of time that might go over the heads of some Devils fans? Um, yeah, there, and he's probably overshadowed in his own family to a certain degree, and you know, uh, unfortunately. But I, I think uh, at 22 years old, you're going to see more and more of, of Tice Thompson and what he's able to, to bring. This is a guy that remember when this when the season started, he was still in college. He was still at Providence. Signed his contract after the team was not going to the, the NCAA championships. Uh, he meets up with the team. He works out with the team, and then basically literally gets thrown into the fire of uh, of, of playing in the National Hockey League. He only played seven games, but uh, I believe he got an assistant in his NHL debut. 
He got to play against his brother who's, who's on uh, Buffalo and there's going to be a lot of changes in Buffalo as well this off season. So, you know, you're, you're seeing, uh, you're seeing Tice's brother possibly being out there as a, as a possible exposure for, for Seattle. Um, who, who knows what's going to happen there uh, with, with the Thompson family, but Tice Thompson has a bright future in this team. And, and for as much as you talk about, uh, Alexander Holtz's. You talk about the Nolan Foots in terms of those future Devils coming through uh, the ranks. You know, not a lot of people are talking about Tice Thompson, and he, he's going to make you want to talk about him. He's going to be one of those un, un, under under the under the radar kind of guys. He's going to be very complimentary. You know, you you need a Tice Thompson on this team. It can't be a bunch of uh, you know shooters and scorers on this team. Hmm. I mean, I was uh, anyone who listens to my show knows that I'm not really the biggest fan of Tice Thompson. For one, I just don't think he's ready because, like you said, he was thrown into the fire rather quickly. You know, coming from Providence College, I know we had to wave Nikita Gusev to make room for him. And I was just like, why are we taking a chance on someone who's just like literally fresh out of college and we're about to throw him into the fire, you know, very quickly? Like I told like I said, it's just like, I, I, I personally, I wasn't the biggest fan, but you know, you were right. I think he got his first career point, which was an assist against the Buffalo Sabres, like within his first, like uh, 90 seconds of playing, I believe. And it was also fairly quick. One of the quickest in um, NHL or devil's history. I, I got to look that up again, but um, yeah, Tice Thompson, I, I was, I was kind of hesitant on it. Cause I was just like, yeah, I mean, he did put up pretty good numbers at Providence, but I just don't think he's ready for the NHL. And you know, I was kind of right because, you know, after like a few games, we had to send him down. And I was just like, yeah, that should have uh, been the plan in the first place. You know, let him go to the AHL and then, you know, bring him up slowly. There's no rush. Right. The, the Devils right now have pretty much an embarrassment of riches, I would say, when it comes to, to forwards. And they're not all going to work out. They're not all going to stick around. Don't be surprised if you start seeing some of these guys, even some of the higher profile guys, getting dealt to make deals. You know, you, you don't see uh, a, a bunch of star forwards on championship teams. It, it has to be a well-rounded bunch. And, uh, you know, some tough decisions are going to be made. And, you know, and, and that kind of falls onto a guy like Tom Fitzgerald, as we kind of said before. You know, Fitzgerald can set this team up for the next 10 years or he, he can set them back a couple of years. And you know, this, is, this offseason is really going to be very telling going forward. Yeah, we'll we'll see what happens. But um, in terms of like, uh, I guess, quote unquote, veteran pieces, uh, if there was a Hart Memorial Trophy for the New Jersey Devils specifically, who uh, deserves that MVP of the team? Like who who was uh, the leader of the team? Who was, like I said, just the MVP of this bunch of young guns? Um, I would have to give it to Miles Wood. Wow, you are the uh, third person to say that. Um, you know, Miles Wood was I think we all kind of figured what we thought Miles Wood was as a player. He felt like he was more pretty one-dimensional. And, you know, in training camp, he kind of told the media, he said, listen, I have to, I have to grow up. You know, he, he looked around and kind of saw a lot of other young people on, his, on, on the team and realized, you know, that he needed to, uh, to take that next step as a player. And, and he certainly did. He was able to provide a lot of energy to this team. Um, you know, Early on, when people were trying to speculate, I know that people in the Seattle area have been speculating on the expansion draft for literally months now. Uh, early on, they were salivating at the idea of possibly seeing Miles Wood being exposed. 
and being someone that would go there. And for me, I was saying, you know, I was trying to, to, to wave some flags in the air and say, please don't do that to this kid. Uh, you're going to regret it. He has an amount of heart, an amount of uh, physicality that this team is lacking in certain regards. And, and Wood is able to do that while also being a spark plug that can come out there on the shift and, and really kind of turn games around. And we saw him do that this past year. Yeah, I mean, he, he was one of the alternate captains for the New Jersey Devils, obviously, when Zajac and Paul Mary were dealt away. Um, you know, he, Severson, and Subban were, uh, you know, given alternate captain roles. Obviously, it was mainly uh, Wood and Severson and, you know, sometimes Subban. It, it depend on, on who was playing or who wasn't. But, yeah, I, I think um, Miles Wood was definitely um, a, a very vital piece to this organization just based on his physicality, what he was able to bring. And, you know, I'm not sure if you saw this or not in his exit meeting interview. He said like he was in contact with former Devils captains like, you know, Andy Green, Kyle Palmieri, Travis Zajac in terms of how to be a better leader, how to lead this team. And uh, it kind of raises my next question. Um, who do you think will be the third alternate captain for the New Jersey Devils? So obviously, Nico Heizer will be wearing the C. Then you got um, uh, Miles Wood most likely will retain his his uh, A. Who will be the third captain for the devils to round it out um it's it's difficult to say right now if i had to pick anyone it might be the youngster it might be, it might be jack hughes he's gonna I, be tw- thank you thank you i agree he's with you 20 years old now he's no longer a teenager and i, I kind of tried to ask him and he didn't know what to say in his extra interview i tried to ask him you know kind of is there a perception that people have when you're a teenager in the nhl that maybe people look at you as being immature you know you're just a kid what do you know sort of thing that's not going to be the case anymore for Jack Hughes you you saw him kind of grow and develop and and kind of show what his what his game was especially in this condensed year this past year he's gonna be 20 years old now and he's one of the elder statesmen in terms of experience on this team he's gonna and he's already a leader on this team um you know I don't think he's gonna take the A unless he feels like he deserves it and he, he might even still push back on that He's definitely one of those guys that is not going to take it for an accolade. He's only going to take it if he, if he feels like he has earned it. Um, that's the kind of guy that Jack Hughes is. Okay, so uh, I, I agree with you. I think uh, Jack Hughes does deserve the uh, third captain role. And obviously, um, you, you know, I, I based on articles I've read, uh, you know, it seems like that he has a good relationship with uh, Lindy Ruff and um, Tom Fitzgerald. And it seems like they love him uh, and what he's able to bring to the team in terms of his leadership, in terms of his production. So, yeah, I, I could totally see that him being an alternate captain. Obviously, it could go to Severson. It could go to Subban if Subban is still here with us. But, you know, uh, I think Jack Hughes definitely has to be um, a favorite also a sleeper, maybe uh, this might be a hot take, maybe Pavel Zaka, just based on what he was able to do this season mm-hmm. and a little bit last season. But, you know, I think Zaka has improved. And I think, um, you know, overall, he was able to catch fire, especially when uh, Nico Heizer went down with an injury. Zaka was, you know, leading the second line at center really well. So, you know, I, I, even though that won't happen, I'm just saying like, you know, mm-hmm. You know, Zaka did wear an A for a couple of games. You know, I I've, I don't know who was out, but um, he he did wear the alternate captain sweater for for just a couple of games. I think to close out the season. So you know, there's someone to you know uh, that you shouldn't sleep on. And um, it kind of leads into uh, I guess my third question in terms of uh, 
just awards, who is the biggest surprise? So we've talked about MVP. We talked about uh, underrated rookies. But who is the biggest surprise for you? Uh, biggest surprise for me? Uh, that's difficult. I would say, um, you know, there, there were a lot of young guys that you, you probably thought were, uh, were, were going to, to kind of – like the, the Ty Smiths of the world, you, you, you kind of thought maybe they were going to exceed some of your expectations, but uh, I don't know. If I had to pick somebody, it's probably the guy who I have, I have seen people speculating about possibly going to Seattle. And I, I would hope that he's not going to, and that's Nathan Bastion. Ah, yeah. Uh, you know, Bastion really provides, I, I brought up before that, that physicality that, that he has is not something that you see throughout this team. Um, which is a good and a bad thing at the same time. Um, you know, Bastion really brings a different element to this team. And uh, you know, he just got re-signed for two more seasons, uh, you know, last month. But that also d- did kind of qualify him of being possibly exposed. Yeah, You're man. seeing some people getting signed now, but that only really makes them eligible for, for possibly the crack going to take them. And I would really hate to see someone like like Bastion gone. Um, you you need that physical presence. You look at some of the teams in the East, uh, the Islanders, uh, even the the Cup champion, you know, Tampa Bay Lightning. They had physical lines. They had people that can kind of beat you up, and that's something that the Devils lack in certain regards. And and you know they missed Bastion when he wasn't in the lineup. Yeah, that uh, trio of Miles Wood, Mikey McLeod, and Nathan Bastion was just so crucial. Uh, they mostly played the third line. I know sometimes they were labeled the fourth line, but they brought that physicality. They brought that energy, and that's why uh, the NHL was calling them the energy line for the New Jersey Devils, just because they were one of the most consistent lines this season. So, yeah, I would have to agree with you. He was actually tops amongst rookies in um, hits. I, I forget uh, who was at the number one position, but I do know it was a defenseman. And fun fact, that player actually played in 12 more games than Bastion. So, right. you know, the fact that Bastion was able to do all that in 12 or so less games really shows how physical he can be. So I think um, if I'm the New Jersey Devils, this might be a risk, but I would expose Mikey McLeod and I would hold on to Nathan Bastion just because if I'm the um, – Seattle crack and I believe Mikey McLeod would just go over my head in terms of his production because yes Mikey McLeod had like career highs in all three scoring categories but it was nothing spectacular but we know what he was able to do we know like you know it took him a while to get his first career NHL goal so we sort of know his backstory but the Seattle Kraken don't most likely so it's just like uh if the Seattle Kraken are like look at players are gonna like look at like some of the hard facts including like uh Nathan Bastion um you know, had so-and-so hits and was actually tops in the, um, he was actually tops in the NHL in that regards. So, you know, if if that fact is shared, they're like, oh, we can actually use him for our third or fourth line. So let's take him, but hold on to Bastion and expose Mikey McLeod. That's, that's how I would be doing it. If I was Tom Fitzgerald, obviously I'm maybe I'm oversimplifying it, but you know, based on what everything I have and based on my personal opinion, I'd say expose Mikey and uh, hold on to Bastion. Agreed. So um, any final thoughts in terms of the Devils, their future, What anything we should know? Um, you know just really looking at the team right now, um, I, I said I think an emphasis has to, to be put on, uh, on defense. Um, I, I kind of threw out an article uh, a little while back 
just kind of for fun, some former devils that were hitting the market. And, you know, granted, you, you're going to have guys like uh, um, like Taylor Hall is available. I don't I don't really foresee him coming back to Newark. I don't think anyone you, you can you can relax at the idea of that happening again. I don't think it's going to happen. I don't think that's interested. Uh, I don't think Taylor's interested in doing that. But there are interesting guys out there. I know a lot of people are talking about Blake Coleman being available now that he can come back from winning a, a couple cups in a row with uh, with Tampa. Uh, I would have loved for them to have something for possibly for Adam Larson, but uh, we're seeing what's going on with Edmonton, and there's a lot of uh, moving parts that are going on right there. So we'll, we'll see what happens there. But there are some intriguing former Devils. Um, if it makes sense, to, you know, I, I I hate to put a kibosh on all of the the love for Zach Parise uh, returning to the Devils, but it doesn't make any uh, sense for this young team to bring in a guy. You know, you, you saw what happened with, uh, um, you know, with, with some of the older veteran players this past season to, to bring in someone like Parise, who's just as old. Um, it, it's not going to be a, a good fit. It's, it, it's, the that's something that you, right. It's nostalgia for nostalgia's sake. That's something that you do for the fan base to try to sell tickets and this is a team who is going to look to try to surprise people and compete for a possible, uh, you know, playoff spot this, this upcoming season. So you don't have to do stuff like that to try to bring people into the building. Good play will bring people into the building. Good play. Hopefully everything works out. So, Robert, thank you for joining. Uh, also, uh, you, you cover the Mets, right? And obviously, uh, Pete Alonzo just won the home run derby. Um, and, but before I let you go... Is there um, any hope for the New York Mets? I think there's a lot of hope for the New York Mets. Um, I, I did do a lot of uh, filling in for Justin Toscano, who's our, our, our primarily uh, our Mets writer. Uh, did a lot of covering him for the first half. And uh, you, you see the energy that that team has. Um, you know, they have not been hitting very well for uh, last six weeks or so, for sure. But their pitching has been lifting them up through uh, this first half. They've been holding on to a lead in their division for two months. And once those bats start to get working, and I, I really think that the home run derby did a lot for Alonzo. He only had 10 home runs when he announced he was going to go in there. He went into the home run derby with 15. So that tells you he was able to get more locked in at the plate. And I think that something like that becomes contagious. The return of Brandon Nimmo really helps that team. Uh, you know, I'm not going to say the print, uh, playoff tickets or print world series tickets for this team. But uh, there's certainly a contender in the national league. There's no question. Maybe they should re-sign you on a Cespedes. Uh, I don't, I don't think that that's going to help their, uh, their chemistry right now. They, uh, they have a really good uh, clubhouse right now. Don't be surprised if you see a big move in the next couple of weeks from them. We're talking about, talking about trade deadlines. We're talking about free agency in, in the NHL. You know, the, the same thing's going to go on in, in Major League Baseball from the end of the month. And uh, don't be surprised to see a, a big splash by them, but one that will make sense for their clubhouse and for, uh, for them to show that they're actually serious. All right, sounds good. We talked Devils, we talked uh, Rumors, we talked about uh, Reflection, we talked about the New York Mets a little bit. So, Robert, uh, thank you for joining me once again. Once again, uh, Robert is a friend of the show. He's appeared on the show a couple months ago. 
uh, and overall just a really great person to talk devils with. So I'll let you get back to work for North Jersey. Thanks again. Thanks, Trey. Rob is so nice. I decided to have him on twice. So thanks again for taking the time out of your busy day to come on and talk all things Devils and also talk a little bit about the New York Mets. I don't think I've talked uh, baseball enough on this show. But anyway, uh, I hope you guys enjoyed this episode. I'm enjoying my vacation so far. So continue to stay safe and have a wonderful day, New Jersey. I will catch you guys in the next episode as we are going to have the fifth and final guest on. So I hope you're enjoying this week of just talking to Devils personalities. I will see you guys in the next episode. Peace out.